We are The Purposeful Project. We help entrepreneurs for free. Welcome to today's pep talk, where we'll take just 20 minutes to interview leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how, insights and life lessons. To hear these incredible insights, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply visit thepurposefulproject.com, sign up to our mailing list and get the podcast in your inbox every single week. Welcome Alex to the show, it's fantastic to have you here. Maybe we could start off just by you kindly telling the audience listening a little bit about yourself and Beam. Hey Simon and hey everyone who's listening in, thank you so much for having me. So yeah, my name's Alex, I'm I guess what you call a tech entrepreneur. I find that term a little bit um, awkward but I guess it's what people tend to call me and I spent um, a lot of my career now um, building tech companies and tech startups but uh, about four years ago I decided to use some of those tech skills to really try and solve a social problem that is massive, that is very visible on our streets, that you all will have seen, and that is homelessness. And it all got started when I became friends with this homeless man who would sit every day outside my train station. I remember the first time we spoke, he told me he would sit there because there was CCTV, and it made it less likely that he would be beaten up. And uh, we became friends. I'd bring him cups of coffee, but I could just see him getting kind of worse, really, in front of my eyes. And at one point, he just disappeared for about six, seven weeks. I had no idea where he'd gone. And then when I finally saw him again, he looked absolutely terrible. He looked about 10 or 15 years older. And I go up to him and I say, where, where have you been? And he says, ah, been in hospital. Um, I had a heart attack. And so uh, I walk back to my flat. I'm just thinking, well, this is terrible. I've been trying to help this homeless guy. And his position is just going from bad to worse. You know, what does he really need? It's clearly not another cup of coffee. It's clearly the skills and the support to get back into work and to provide for himself. And I thought, well, that's going to cost more than a coffee. But what if we all chip in? What if we could crowdfund really smart investments in people's futures, giving them everything they would need to get back on their feet? And that's really what Beam is. Um, Beam is a social enterprise. Uh, We launched a couple of years ago. It's Beam.org. And we have supported hundreds of homeless people Um, to access stable jobs, stable homes. And it's really a people-powered solution where each single person that we help is crowdfunded and backed by hundreds of people who are sending messages, who are also sending life-changing messages of support. Such an incredible story. And uh, I just can't believe that someone has to sleep in front of a CCTV camera to make sure they don't get beaten up. um, It's kind of crazy to me that that's even a thing but um i guess when people listening are thinking i'd love to start a social enterprise and and dream of i guess following through on a good gesture that or a good thing that you you saw there what were the first few steps that you took to make it happen what do you think the steps that people need to make to make these sort of things happen for real i think curiosity is really important so you know a lot of the time people put a lot of pressure on themselves by thinking, oh, I need to start a business, I need to start a social enterprise. And actually, a lot of the time, you can go a long way by just indulging your curiosity and learning and reading and meeting people. And you don't need to put all this pressure on yourself by saying, I'm going to start a business. And I think it's kind of a little bit like the difference between kind of dating and marrying. You know, you wouldn't, you know, meet someone for the first time, or most people wouldn't meet someone for the first time and go, right, you know, let's get married. You're just going to kind of you know, you're going to get to know each other, you're going to play around, you're going to learn about each other. And I think that can be what it's like when you're starting any kind of new venture, including a social venture. 
So take your pressure off yourself is a really, really valuable thing. And then I also think you need to ask yourself a question like, who are you moved to help? You know, a lot of people will advise entrepreneurs and say, you know, the key thing is that you understand the problems you're solving. And I think that that is, you know, very important. And so, you know, you really need to get, um, you know, you really need to get into the problem you're solving and fall in love with the problem and not the solution, as they say. But you also need to think who you move to help, because at the end of the day, it's that energy and it's that passion to help a group. And it could be a homeless person. It could be a teacher. It could be a nurse. It could be, you know, an accountant, a creator. It could be any type of person. But that desire and drive to help those individuals will give you the energy that you need to push on through what might be a very tough journey that will take many years. Such a good message and indulge your curiosity is such a great way of thinking about how to build a business. But what do you think about the the, the kind of people saying, oh, do a business plan and stuff like that? Did you do a business plan? How, how did you plan out what you were doing now? Uh, I mean, the traditional thinking is, you know, do a business plan. And back in the day, if you talk to people in their sort of, you know, 50s and 60s about starting their own businesses, it was, you know, the bank manager wanted a business plan and I made my business plan and blah, blah, blah. That has kind of been a little bit blown up, really, by the way the startups work. And in particular, this idea of what's called the lean startup, where you don't know what the future holds for your business. All you need to do is run different experiments, try things, build, measure, learn, and just iterate constantly. And so that's kind of blown up this idea that you can look into the future and plan for stuff. And the way we work at Beam is you know, fairly typical of many startups. You know, we have a vision. And we think a lot about that vision. But in terms of planning, we tend to only plan in detail about a quarter. So that's three months at a time, because I don't know what we're going to be working on in four months time. And um, I think, you know, there are certain people who find that really destabilizing. And then there's certain people love that sense of adventure, that sense of exploration, the sense that their job might be completely different in just a few months time. I think this is such a gem you dropped there. I, I know even myself and my team this morning, we were talking about changes we need to make to the platform. And somehow it can be frustrating because you think, no, we know what the platform is. Why are we making changes? But you've got to keep listening to your audience, right? You've got to keep listening to the people you're helping and adapting. Otherwise, eventually you uh, you become uh, obsolete, I guess, right? If you, that's that's kind of what you're talking about there in my mind. But it is it is against the convention. And I think, again, for my listeners, I think I was I wonder at what they're being taught right now. And, and of course, what we're saying is there are no rules. You kind of just have to go by the seat of your pants. But you must have had some structure. I think I'm going to put words in your mouth for a second, but I feel like you, you at least had a very strong North, North Star, right? Maybe that's what helps. If you have a very strong purpose, you know what you're trying to achieve, help that person that, you know, you mentioned earlier, that person that actually doesn't need enough cup of coffee. They, they need to be, be, be helped so they can help themselves. You had a very strong North Star. Do you think that's what makes a business plan less needed? I think you've got to know where you're going, right? You've got to know where your destination is. But it's a little bit like, you know, driving a car. Um, you know, you've got to know where you're going to. You're just going to be driving around in circles. Um, and you've got to know what turn you're making next. But you actually don't want to be thinking necessarily about what the turn is eight turns from now. Um, you just don't have capacity, bandwidth. Your brain shouldn't be there. Your brain just shouldn't be, you know, 10 miles down the road. And you need to be present in the moment, thinking about what the next turn is, or maybe the next turn after that, you know, at most. And so I think that in any startup, especially something like Beam, there's such a high level of challenge that you need to be present, you need to be thinking, you know, what are my number one priorities, you know, this week, today, this hour, this moment, um, and 
also need to be making sure that what you are doing at those times is consistent and is taking you closer to that final destination. Such a great analogy. I, I was, um, I wanted to know how you became this way, Alex. How, how did you, where did you get this knowledge from? I mean, looking at your history, of course, you, you did a, a startup previously, Just Park. I was, I enjoyed the fact I read you that you're advising the mayor of Seoul, which I thought was um, both random and very interesting at the same time. How do, how do you end up uh, giving advice to the mayor of Seoul? And, and, and how did you get here? How did this, where did you get your experience from? Well, I mean, I've only really spent 10 years of my life working in startups. And, you know, straight out of university, I didn't know what I should be doing. And I did what felt like at the time, a load of different wrong turns. I knit my very first job at university was, um, I worked as a lawyer. Um, at that point I'd done, you know, all kinds of more casual work, working in bars and restaurants and pubs and, you know, admin work. And I'd been fired to be honest from at least half of it. And sort of all I really learned was that I was pretty unemployable. Um, after law, I then became a consultant. I was fired from that job as well. And so go back 10 years, um, I'm thinking about myself as someone who is basically a complete and utter professional failure. And then one day I get my first smartphone. I get it pretty late because I'm, I'm being pretty broke. And it's, um, a, it's a Samsung Galaxy phone. And I turn it on and it's a little bit like that moment in um, Pulp Fiction when John Travolta opens the suitcase and Samuel L. Jackson says, are we good? And then John Travolta's face lights up and he goes, yeah, we good. It was a little bit like that when I turned on that smartphone for the first time, I realized it was going to change everything about how we access goods, services, communicated and a thousand other things. And I thought, well, look, maybe there's some opportunity for me somewhere. You know, I need some opportunity in this because I sure as hell don't know what I'm going to be doing with my life, if not something new. So that was kind of that, this epiphany, this moment I, that really turned me on to tech and its potential. And then when I started speaking to people working in tech, I realized that there are some kind of kindred spirits here. And, um, yeah, I just started like meeting people, going to lots of, um, events and, kind of immersing myself in this incredible, rich startup world, um, which I think is, is so open and friendly and receptive compared to like so many sectors. And, you know, I'm, on a daily basis, I feel so grateful to work in the, in the tech scene in London because you meet people who are so creative and talented and humble and commercial and, you know, visionary. And I think there are very, very few sectors, um, you know, to compare with that. And uh, I always think about, the, the first steps when you're when you're building a business, like for example, when you built Just Park, I mean, were the steps different to now building Beam or, or similar? What, what, how do you think about you know? Okay, I've got this idea. What are, for my people for people listening that maybe have an idea? What, what do you think are the first couple of steps you take? Uh, I, th I think learning is indulging that curiosity is is has got to be up there. You know, when I first had this idea around maybe we could use crowdfunding in the context of homelessness. I was very, very hesitant because I thought, you know, I hadn't worked in homelessness. I'd done volunteering for homelessness charities, but I was very much a novice. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to like wade in and, you know, do harm with people who have all kinds of vulnerabilities. So I spent a long time uh, speaking to people, experiencing different forms of homelessness on the streets, living in hostels, refuges, 
couch surfing, um, so sofa surfing and so on, um, meeting people working in homelessness charities. So I was just in like learning mode, you know, for, for, for a long time. And I think that is really important. And I think, you know, one of the things I try and be better at is learning. And I think, you know, one of the real common threads that unite people who are very successful in all kinds of fields is they are very good learners and they keep learning however successful they get. Um, and so I think, you know, that for me is really like the first stage, um, is that just like making yourself as open as possible, um, and challenging any of the assumptions that you might have and being, being prepared for all of us just to be blown away by, by new data or new insights. I can really relate to this point. I, um, actually have to, like you said it there, but you have to force yourself to keep learning sometimes too, because once you've got enough experience, you think there is an element of laziness that kicks in too, where you think, oh, I, I know how to do that. So, you know, you, you, yeah. but, the, but things are changing so fast. As soon as you think you know it, I met someone who told me they were expert 100%. on, on, uh, on LinkedIn the other day. I'm like the algorithm just changed. Like in the hour that you were explaining what you know, it's changed. Right. So there's no expert on these things, but, um, but I, I think, you know, once, once you've done that groundwork and now how long did you spend kind of in that, let's call it research mode for beam after that, what, what do you think what were the next steps after that for you? Um, so in total, that was about, uh, it was over nine months. And a big part of that was working with my co-founder, Seb, and working with some charities to kind of iterate the model. And so uh, what you see on the surface of Beam.org is a crowdfunding platform with some really cool features, like being able to see the impact that the people you've funded, I know the progression they have made, exactly where your money's going, um, the stories and updates, like there's some really cool, nice features. But the real complexity with Beam is the operational model that supports a very, um, you know, some pretty hard to help people who, who've had all kinds of challenges. Now, on average, the people using Beam have been out of work about five and a half years. Almost 80% of them start work through the model. And these are people that, you know, when they join us, are overcoming all kinds of issues from, you know, significant mental health problems to historic long-term drug addiction, people who've been in prison, people who've been in care, people who've been self-harming, you know, victims of FGM and human slavery in the more extreme cases. These are people who've been through some really tough stuff. And um, how you actually you know, manage these risks and these you know, challenges are, you know, is, is really the tough thing. And I guess you know, one of the things I've learned is that you know, tech can get complex, but it's nothing like as complex as people can get. And if you're to build a service that will help individuals like that at a real scale you really need to know your stuff and i was very very lucky that you know that seb is was able to come on board as a co-founder because he's someone that spent a decade working in um, drug and alcohol services he worked on the world's first homelessness social impact bond he worked at the nhs in healthcare and also designed personalized services the nhs he wore a whole load of expertise that so rarely um, sees the light of day in a tech startup and you know, one of the things I would love to see um, in the tech scene is more founders coming into tech, bringing experience from sectors that you know do not commonly interplay with with tech. I think like you know, there's so much scope for sort of more interdisciplinary kind of collaborations than we see at the moment. Mm, well, I mean, mental health, for example, I feel like there's so much potential there to help people, isn't there? With with the right tech, um, probably more important than um, delivery tech. 
getting people, you know, delivered their food and, and they're lazy, they don't want to go out and buy it, but, you know, actually using that tech and that, that capital to, to help probably with more meaningful issues like, like, like the one you're working on. But I, I wonder, um, so it's, it's kind of crazy to me um, when you think about it, actually, how much money goes into food delivery when actually was that really a big problem anyway. Um, but that, that aside, I, I think the interesting thing, um, just out of interest, when, when you got fired, because I'm getting a lot of people right now either getting laid off or have got fired you know when, when you when you got fired why did you get fired and 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 did you did you always know you were an entrepreneur and getting fired was a benefit or or did you like you mentioned earlier that you felt like oh you know i'm a failure a lot of people listening might be feeling that how did you turn things around so a few questions there but how did you turn things around and and how did you you know how, how, why did you get fired i mean i got fired for being you know rubbish at the job and not being passionate about it or you know not rubbish but not very good or not good enough and no, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I, I just thought I was sucking at being an adult. And so, you know, I, you know, I can look back the benefit of hindsight and go, that was, you know, a blessing in disguise. And if I'd been really, really good at those jobs, if I'd happened to be a very good lawyer, then, you know, I would have probably remained a lawyer and I wouldn't have had, you know, some interesting experiences that I've had since then. Um, but no, at the time it was just like, you know, really tough and really brutal. I remember, you know, the, the last time I got fired, um, it was kind of at lunchtime. This is uh, 2000 and I don't know, 10 or something. Um, it was lunchtime and, you know, I just go out and I, you know, leave the office and I just go and have a whiskey on my own. And I'm just like, what the F do I do now? You know, where do I go from now? I'm going to have to tell my friends and my family that, you know, my already failing career has just taken a turn for the worse. And um, it was, yeah, it was difficult, but, you know, I, I, I think that I guess, I guess I had that inner drive to get back on the horse. I just needed, I just knew, I suppose, that I needed to find a, a different type of horse to get onto. It's an important message I want to um, give time to uh, because I think a lot of people that are listening, they're, they're in this situation now and I, they don't realise they're entrepreneurs. And they don't realise that's even an option for them. Perhaps they've been told that they're not entrepreneurs; they should be lawyers. <laughs> uh, and so, um, I think it's a really important sentiment. And, and I do think that finding that purpose, and then, like you said, maybe not overthinking it and indulging that curiosity, it's just also so. It actually really gets me a little bit emotional because I think it's so important and so relevant to this time we're in today but just looking back at what you actually managed to do with beam to date i mean you, i feel like you're still just getting started but it's incredible what you've already done but how did you go about um, funding the business again from a social enterprise perspective when people hear that i think people are always wondering how these businesses get funding i know you did a crowdfunding campaign talk us through a little bit on the funding side how, how you make a business like this financially work so um one of the things we wanted to do was build something that could grow really quickly, like a business, but also we wanted to create a giving experience that was incredibly transparent and incredibly efficient. And so we just sort of sat down and thought, well, is that even possible? And we basically put together a model that um, I think is able to achieve those things. So when people donate to the crowdfunding platform, uh, the donations go to a, uh, the bank account of a UK registered charity. It's called the Bean Foundation. It's like a normal charity, has trustees and governance and all that sort of stuff. And that allows us to get gift aid. And um, so that's really, really powerful. So people get that extra 25%. Now that charity doesn't have any costs really. It doesn't have 
employees, doesn't spend money on marketing. So if you give one quid or 10 quid or whatever to that charity, all of that money will directly reach the beneficiaries, the people who need it most. And those things, that money will be funding the, um, all the various things they need. Um, so it could be training, could be childcare for single mums, tools, transport, textbooks, and so on. And so um, that has become a really, really efficient giving experience and a really transparent one as well, because you can see exactly where your money's going on the website. We actually even link out to the things that are being bought. So quite a lot of the time we'll buy laptops for people so that they can um, search for jobs because obviously they need to get online if they're going to find a job. And we actually link to the laptop that that donation will buy. Um, and so that's, that's the sort of charity side. And then Beam um, itself, the, the entity that employs me is um, a social enterprise and that bears all of the costs of, um, of, of, of delivering the, the, the module. And we fund that we, we finance Beam in a variety of different ways. Um, initially, we had um, uh, money coming in from foundations and high net worths. Um, increasingly, um, we also work with government. Um, and so government is actually using Beam to support really long-term unemployed people into work. And the way that works there is that we can go to government and we can basically make a case around that these individuals, they are suffering. We need to help them. And you know that and we know that but they're also costing taxpayers a lot of money. Why don't you pay us a really small amount of money by comparison if we are able to successfully support these individuals to become financially independent? So that's another way that we um, earn money. Uh, also, um, people can donate money to the uh, operating costs when they use the crowdfunding platform. And finally, we offer what I call a diversity or ethical recruitment service. So we are supporting these disadvantaged individuals to get jobs in great UK companies, companies from like Ocado, EY, NHS, um, and, and many others. And what we want to start doing as well is charging these businesses to hire from this talent pool. So I think one of the things we have seen in the last 18 months um, with a lot of social change, obviously, including Black Lives Matter, is that companies are now really acting on this desire to change um, and improve the diversity of their workforces. Um, and at the moment, it's still too hard for some of those companies to actually make those changes. And we are here saying, it's not that hard, get in touch with Beam and we can support your company to make hires of people who in our view are really, really underlooked, neglected talent who, you know, who you should be hiring because A, they're great people who will add value to your business and your customers and your employees and your shareholders expect it. And B, and above all, it's the right thing to do. And so that is the final way that, you know, we're looking to generate revenue. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it all works. It's a little bit complicated, Simon, so sorry to rattle on so much, but I thought... Really, really interesting is, as I'm also building out what I term... Uh, as a giving back model so I'm learning I'm literally making notes for myself right now Alex so I'm learning myself personally and so thank you for that not, not I think a lot of people that want to start businesses right now learning that structure you just explained I've never heard it in any business school talk I've ever been to I've never heard anyone explain it so thank you and uh, thank you for being transparent as, as you always have been in everything you've ever done but I, I would just say um, for anybody listening if you want to donate to Beam or perhaps your corporation that wants to get recruitment support um, to bring these talented people into your organization we'll put the links to being below for that so please do that alex um 
We only have 20 minutes today with you, I know, for this pep talk. I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your insights. I feel inspired. And we'll be having you back on the Purposeful Project podcast very soon to tell your full story. But I really appreciate you. Um, I appreciate what you're doing. And um, I, for one, am a big fan. And uh, I've enjoyed chatting to you today. Thanks so much for taking the time out and coming to share with us your, your, your business and what you're up Thanks to. Thanks for having me, Simon. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pep Talk today, powered by the Purposeful Project. If you found it interesting, please give us a review and follow us. In addition, you can sign up to our website and get loads more free entrepreneur knowledge, as well as get access to Pep Talk and the Purposeful Project podcast direct in your inbox every week.